DJ PK, brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday at The Warehouse from 2 to 7. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Time now to welcome back Andy Bailey, NBA analyst for Bleacher Report. He's joined us many times before. He joins us now, and we have many questions. Andy, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Uh, We're good. We're good. We are intrigued by the final three regular season games and everything that is in stake, and then the potential playoff matchups, of which there are still too many to consider. But right out of the gate, I am curious... uh, are you with us in that the first-round matchup is probably going to be very difficult for the Jazz unless the San Antonio Spurs average 146 points per night from here until the start of the playoffs and become the eight seed because the Jazz seem to have the Spurs number pretty good. But whether it's the Blazers, the Lakers, the Warriors, don't sleep on the Grizzlies, that is going to be a difficult first-round matchup. There's no walk in the park there. Yeah, there's probably no walk in the park. Um, you know, the West is deep, and that's, you know, obviously not new. That's kind of been the case for 20, 25 years now. Um, so just getting the number one seed isn't, you know, you don't have a cakewalk to the second round. I, I'm not as worried about the Warriors as some other people might be. Um, if Utah has Conley and Mitchell, I think that's a, a very uphill battle for the Warriors. I mean, you obviously can't count out. Stephen Curry, who could go for you know forty, fifty points on any given night, um, but the the supporting cast for that team, I think, really falls off a cliff after Draymond, after their top two guys. I and mean, they'll they'll get random solid performances from Kent Bazemore. He's had a nice season. I think Wiggins has been better this season. Um, but if if everybody's fully healthy, and I guess that's not a given for Utah, um, I, I do think Utah's a pretty clear favorite there. The other teams you mentioned, Portland and, and L.A., are obviously going to be problematic. I, I think the Jazz would be a fairly comfortable favorite over Portland, too, but Damian Lillard is dangerous, not not quite like Stephen Curry, but obviously can go off. And I like their supporting cast a little bit better than Golden State's, and I, I don't think we need to spend too much time on the Lakers. If that winds up being the first-round matchup for the Jazz, I mean, that's, that's sort of the doomsday scenario. I do think they can beat a fully healthy Lakers squad. Um but they, they might not even be favored in that series. So do you feel like it's going to be the Warriors at 8 and the Lakers at 7? What are your thoughts there? Well, like you said, it's it's almost impossible to gauge where everybody's going to land right now, and I've, I've kind of stayed out of that realm for pretty much the whole time I've covered the NBA because so much can happen on a – night-to-night basis. I mean, it looked like the Jazz were were a shoe-in for the number one seed before last night's loss. And they're still, I, I just looked at this this morning, I think even with that loss, they're like a 90% chance to stay at number one. Um, but the added wrinkle this season is that there's the play-in tournament too. So we've got all the different machinations that are going to happen over the next three or four days, plus things can shake up again in the play-in tournament. So I think if you're the Jazz, um you probably have to kind of look at all those teams that you just mentioned. Um, you know, and it's, it's maybe impossible to dive in in terms of preparation on each and every one of them. Um, but in the back of your head, there's, there's the, the possibility that you could play any of those teams. The Spurs would obviously, if, if they fell into number eight and the Jazz stayed at one, I think, like you said, that'd probably be the, the big jackpot uh, for the Jazz. I think they'd handle that series pretty well. And I think they're in decent shape against Memphis and, 
probably Golden State. Um, but there are just so many different ways that it could go over the next few days. And this this is kind of a, a tangent at this point, but I, I think this is part of what has made the play-in tournament such a good call by the NBA. Um, the level of excitement around the league right now um, is just off the charts uh, with all these different possibilities and fewer teams tanking and a bunch of teams trying to get into the playoffs. Um, I just think there's so much intrigue right now. It's, it's going to be really fun to pay attention to this last week. We're joined right now by Andy Bailey, NBA analyst for Bleacher Report. So I'm curious as you watch the Jazz, and nobody really, only they know for sure, and I wonder even how much information they wish they had that they don't have yet, but i got to admit I'm a little concerned by how long Donovan's been out. Uh, Is there any concern with you that, hey, he could be back for the playoffs and he's out five weeks, scrape the rust off for the first round, but... He'll he'll be in the flow pretty well and playing at a high level, and I'm just up chasing ghosts. Or uh, more people should be concerned about how long he's been out. I th- I think it's probably fair to have at least some concern. Um, it, it's not easy to knock off the rust in a game or two, like you mentioned. I, I, you know, it can take time to get back up to game speed. You can try to simulate um, the conditioning as much as you can, but there's. I think there's always a difference between game action and running on a treadmill or, you know, playing five on five pickup or in practice or whatever the case may be. Um, I think there's, it's, it's encouraging to know that it's a grade one sprain and not something worse. And that makes me think that, you know, maybe they're just being abundantly cautious with him so that he will be full strength and, and maybe won't be feeling any sort of pain um, when he jumps back on the floor. So that's, it, it's kind of, a fine line to walk. I think it's fair to have concern, but it it could also be a lot worse. I I do think there's maybe even more concern for Mike Conley because the hamstring thing um, that has crept up on multiple occasions during his two seasons with the Jazz, and it's you know it, it seems like one of those injuries that you can randomly tweak here or there, and and maybe doesn't fully go away unless you have an off season to rest it. Um, and I think you know there are certain series where Utah's probably going to need both of those guys um they when they're both healthy they're one of the better backcourts in the league um and that certainly helps them match up better with a team like portland um it makes defense a little tougher on the lakers obviously so you want both of those guys healthy um i I think i'd have slightly more concern on conley um just to be honest and he's up there in age too um you know not to throw that at him but it's it's a concern when you're a professional athlete so there's there's certainly some worry there um but i i get the sense that utah is just being super cautious with both of those guys rank your favorites one through five in the west Ooh, assume, yeah assuming, i like assuming, it <laughs> assuming there's health yeah that's tough if, if i assume full health um regardless of where the lakers land i would probably put them first um it, the the chemistry between LeBron and AD and the way the rest of those guys play defense, um, I think they still have a very, very high ceiling. Um, so I would probably go with them first. I'm tempted to say Clippers second, but I you know, I can't quite shake the the mental stuff with them that was clearly on display in the last postseason. Um and they may have exercised some of that in the off season, but I 
I'm going to cheat and well, I I, I want to cheat and do tears, but I'm actually going to put Utah second. Um, then I would put the Clippers third, Suns fourth, and probably Dallas fifth. Um, you know, Denver has the basically the presumptive MVP at this point, but as soon as they lost Jamal Murray, I kind of had to knock them out of the legitimate title contender tier. Um, so I feel fairly confident going, I think I said Lakers, Jazz, Clippers, Suns, Mavericks. It's a pretty good list right there, Andy. Of course, the problem with that list is it assumes complete health. Those were the guidelines you were given. Yeah. And there's too many injured guys now for me to think we're going to see a completely healthy playoff. So although that list yeah, is great, I don't think that list is very linked to reality because there are going to be injuries. There, there are going to be injuries. Um for sure. And I, and I know that the league came out, and I think it was through an ESPN story, and said that they haven't seen any more injuries this season uh, statistically than they do typically. And maybe maybe it just felt like more because there were so many high-profile guys that went down, and it seems like they all went down at the same time. Um, but it, it does seem like with the condensed schedule, um, you know, and the, the health and safety protocols and all the, you know, unique things about this season – I would be pretty surprised if, you know, everybody is back to full strength for the playoffs and stays that way. Um, and, and that's not really exclusive to this season either. I mean, there are always injuries that, that pop up in the playoffs. I mean, a lot of the Golden State Warriors doubters will still point to all the injuries that happened in their path in the 2014-15 title. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there, there will certainly be health problems for some teams. For Jazz fans who are listening to this show, um, you know, maybe they can take some solace in the fact that I think Utah is probably one of the deeper teams of those five that I named. Um, you know, they've they've obviously played pretty well with Conley and Mitchell both out here recently. They lost that game on the road last night, but the fact that Bogdanovich kind of looks like his old self, maybe even better than his old self during this stretch, and um, you know, Ingles is obviously very comfortable running the offense, and there are guys who can step up and, and provide a little bit more in the absence of one or two of the stars. I mean, I think the the apocalypse for Utah is if Rudy Gobert goes down, and Derek Favors is maybe the best backup center in the league, but he's not the defensive player of the year and an all-NBA caliber player. So injuries could impact a bunch of teams, but if there, there are squads that are kind of set up to withstand it, Utah might be one of those. Andy Bailey joining us, NBA analyst for Bleacher Report. So I'm curious as you watch this uh, as you watch this play out. Now that you have assuming health, now assume the injuries you assume and tweak your playoff list. Ooh. <laughs> okay, so I I'll, I'll go back to what I said earlier, and I do think that Utah's just being really cautious with Conley and Mitchell, um, and you know I there there's like a subconscious element in me that thinks. It's it's really hard to pick teams that haven't done it before. Um, but the numbers side of me says that Utah's numbers are just overwhelming. Um, statistically, they are a dominant, dominant team. Um, and so if I, if I plug into the objective side of my brain, I'd probably have to go with Utah there. I just, you know, <laughs> the way that they shoot the three and the way that they defend, I think they're just so well-crafted as a roster. Um, you know, and they could go cold for two or three games in a series, but I don't think they'll go cold for four. Um, so I think, I think with the amount of firepower they have and the depth that they have, I would actually probably put them first. 
Um, Lakers probably second still um, because, you know, I, I think they're probably being fairly cautious too, but at the same time, um, I think you got to start to wonder about LeBron's ankle a little bit, and, and Anthony Davis certainly has a history of getting nicked up here and there. Um, and they're, they're one injury. I don't think they're as deep as Utah, so they're one injury away from, you know, possible catastrophe. Uh, after that, I'd probably go Clippers still and then Suns and Mavs. So maybe all I did there was just flip the Jazz and the Lakers. What is the Jazz kryptonite? Is it just going cold collectively as a team? Yeah, I think that's possible. Um, and it's it's really hard to quantify this, but I do think there is an element to, you know, the guys that have been there and done this before. And it's, you know, nothing is going to surprise Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs. Um, and, I you know, I maybe could have said that last year and then they got surprised by the Nuggets. So <laughs> that maybe, maybe nothing's off the table. But, you know, LeBron and AD have been all the way through all of this. Um, you know, Chris Paul obviously hasn't made it to the finals, but he's, but he has a ton of playoff experience. Um, you know, I, I think experience probably is a bigger bugaboo for them, uh, the songs than it is for the jazz. But, you know, I, I think you identified maybe the biggest thing. They just go on a crazy cold streak for four out of seven games. Um, and that's obviously a big problem for them, but then experience is, is trouble too. And I, I would put that further down on the list. Um, just because Conley's been through a ton of playoff battles, Gobert has now been pretty well playoff tested. Uh, Donovan Mitchell last season did stuff in the playoffs that didn't seem possible <laughs> with multiple 50-point games in a single series. So I think he's ready for the playoffs. Um, so, you know, again, this is sort of like the, the subconscious or subjective take versus the objective take. Um because again, it, it's hard to measure. You know, this this is what this amount of experience does for you in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I would say probably some combination of those two things, just going really cold and and maybe not getting real deep into the playoffs as a unit yet. What about the theory that the Jazz are vulnerable to a team with long, athletic wings? They switch a lot. Maybe they switch everything. They're going to get a lot of deflections, and they're going to turn them into fast breaks. I think that's fair. Um, and, I, you know, a lot of people have pointed out that there's going to be a lot asked of Royce O'Neal against teams like that. You know, like the, I, you're probably alluding at least in part to the Clippers. Um, and, and there certainly will be. I think a lot of the people that are sort of pounding that drum are underestimating Joe Ingles as a defender. Um, you know, he can stay in front of those wings, I think, better than people realize. And, um, you know, he's, he's become so savvy as a pick-and-roll ball handler too and you know obviously being defended by Kawhi or Paul George or you know playoff LeBron that's no picnic um but Joe Ingles has been through a lot of battles too so I think they they have some decent counters for that I'm a little worried about the lack of size in the backcourt with Conley and Mitchell I, I think that could be a problem against teams like that um but I I just can't help but keep going back to the numbers and how just absurd this jazz team is as a shooting team um and just think that you know they they may have two or three games like that but they're also going to have games where they make you know 19 threes and shoot 45 percent from three and and how do some of those teams keep up with that um so it's I, i think they just have good counters for for basically everything this goes back again to what i was saying that this team is just 
it's built so well and so balanced. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if Utah got beat by, you know, any of the teams that we've been talking about here just because the West is so good. Um, but they really have built a roster that can kind of counter anything at this point. Well, Andy, we appreciate a few minutes. As always, we look forward to talking to you in the postseason. All right. Thanks, guys. Andy Bailey, NBA analyst for Bleacher Report. Join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, everything you missed on this show. How worried are Jazz fans about facing the Warriors in the playoffs? And great rally or horrific loss? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Biggest issue was Clarkson, 17 shot attempts, zero assists in the first half. I'm sure Quinn talked to him about it because he changed that in the second half, but that's terrible. Time to catch up on everything you missed in this show. 41 points for Clarkson, zero assists. How could that happen? Somebody found a list. Of course, there's a list for all this stuff, right, PK? I mean, it's not baseball in the Elias Sports Bureau, but there's still a lot of lists. The highest scoring games with zero assists. And, of course, it's Will Chamberlain. For the top seven of Will Chamberlain with a Carmelo and a Kobe. But, you know, it's a really weird stat. You throw somebody a great pass and they miss a shot, you don't get the assist. Clarkson did that late in the game. Hit Bogey up the sideline, 45-foot pass. Bogey just missed an open three. You hit someone with a great pass, they get fouled. They go to the line and hit two free throws, you don't get an assist. Once a foul happens, the assist just evaporates. It goes, it's done. Not happening. Even though you threw a great pass. So... It's a weird stat. I know it's a stat we love because Stockton's got the all-time assist record, but it's still a weird stat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a weird stat. It's a weird stat. <laughs> All right, other things you want to catch people up on. Clarkson giveth, Clarkson taketh away. It's the kind of deal you make. You don't get the 41-point outburst in the incredible final eight minutes without letting him miss eight straight three-pointers. If you tell him to stop shooting at some point, you never know when he's going to catch fire, judging by that last answer. Even he doesn't know when he's going to catch fire. He thought he missed his high-percentage shots and made his low-percentage shots, but that's the way it goes sometimes, and you're just going to have to deal with it. Well, those are the percentages, you see, and sometimes they're going to go in, and other times percentages are going to dictate that they don't go in. If you're playing the percentages, you know, the percentages will be what they are. You understand? I think I do, yes. Because uh, I don't. <laughs> I think you do. I think you're messing around. There's <laughs> <laughs> no point in debating Clarkson. At this point, the evidence is overwhelming. This is who he is. And from the Jazz fan perspective, you just have to hope that He's taking a shot that is good for him. A good, and that's the thing about it. A shot that is good for player A may not be good for player B, obviously. 
And so for him, he's going to take those shots. So you know, complain about him doing this or not doing that. It's really a waste of time because his game isn't going to change. From the Jazz fan perspective, you have to hope that he's taking a shot that he's extremely comfortable with. And then, obviously, it has to go in the basket because a great shot that doesn't drop, well, it's the same thing as a bad shot that doesn't drop, really. <laughs> the result is, anyway... The percentages would dictate the better the shot, the better the chance to have to go in. But if it doesn't go in, it's the results are the exact same. And then at that point, you hope you get the offensive rebound or get back on defense. And so this is his game, and he's going to be electric, and other times he's going to leave you scratching your head. But it's not going to change. It really, this is his reality. And so sit back, and it's inevitable, and hope for the best, basically. And it's really weird because in a single game, he had the best of times and the worst of times. (laughs) Now, the worst of times came first, and I'm exaggerating, but the best of times, man, were really awesome. (laughs) It was unbelievable watching him just charge up court and thinking, how's he going to score this time? Because he's going to. And he did again and again. Yeah, it's fun. That's the thing about this team. I don't know how it's going to end. But i got to say, I've had, and we have to watch the games, and I don't want to make it sound like it's a chore because it's not under any stretch. This is a phenomenal job, and I'm grateful for every day that we have it and get to do it with you. There's no doubt about that. Uh, But I have to say that this year, this season, is a lot more fun compared to other seasons because of the way they play. And even, obviously, they lost last night, but still – it was a fun game to watch. I didn't know when when they got that lead. I didn't think, oh, it's over. I knew they got Steph Curry on the other side there. But it has been more fun, no matter what happens in the postseason, to watch them play this season. I think that's all true. I think that uh, the NBA's rule changes and the way the game is morphed, I think the NBA is as much fun now as it's been. Probably had... A little more star power, uh, late 80s, early 90s, but I think there's more quality players now. You know, some of the star power, the celebrity stuff comes from the drama, and I don't want to say the league's drama-free now because it's not, but it certainly seems like some of the negative drama that has hit the NBA and pro sports in general, um, they've kind of minimized that right now. And it's still out there. You know, and we still find stories, I'm sure. Uh, but I think there's more talented players playing a more entertaining style right now. It's not just a jazz. Not just a jazz thing. No. Well, but I the really, jazz are kind of at the forefront of it because of the way they're launching threes and hitting them. Yeah, it's a fun brand to watch. At least it is for me. I enjoy yeah. it. All right, so jazz fans uh, seem pretty universally okay with the loss. They hate what it's done to as far as putting the number one seed in jeopardy, but there's a lot of perspective that, well, it happened without uh, two key players, and they've really been pretty good. Not perfect, but they've been pretty good through this run without these two guys. Now 6-2 and two, uh, since Mike Conley joined Donovan Mitchell over on the bench. Uh, but that's still a pretty good run, and people also don't seem to be that worried about facing the Warriors in the playoffs. There's respect for Curry. Everybody acknowledges he's dangerous, but if the Jazz are healthy, most people think the Jazz are going to advance in five or six. And ironically, I think that's the breaking point 
for most series. It doesn't really matter to me that much whether you're done in four or five. I mean, there's an argument that, hey, why play the fifth game? Because somebody might get hurt playing it. Yeah, and then that's too much downtime. We've heard all this stuff about these guys are peak performers and too much time off is a problem also. And so you can have, if you win in four, depending on how it's scheduled, you can easily have four or five days off. You might have a week. So that's not great. I think when you get to six or seven, though, now the next series, it's a real quick turnaround. That's a longer series than you want. If you get out of it in five, I got no complaints. If you're up 3-0, 3-1, you're going to have to play that fourth or fifth game. Thanks, Coach. There's no sense uh, worrying about it or debating it because you're just going to have to do it. Uh, You're a beauty. (laughs) (laughs) Going to have to play that fourth game. No kidding. Unbelievable. Well, there's no sense debating it, though. Why debate it? Why were you debating? You were debating with yourself. You got any uh, games tonight you're up for with the uh, the Nuggets and the Clippers and the Suns and the Mavericks playing? A lot of Western. The Lakers are playing. You liking any more of these any yeah. more than the rest? Or well, hating any more of these? The last two you just mentioned. It is the Suns. I'm going to be Suns and Warriors in tune into that game. There's no question about it. And LeBron comes back, and he's the he's looming. LeBron is looming. I mean, it's just no doubt about it, you know. And that game, New York and the Lakers, of course, it's going to be on TNT. No Shocking doubt about it. Uh, but at the same time, it's going to be Phoenix and Golden State. It's the same time, so uh, maybe I don't know. Is, is NBA TV are they allowed to show cut-ins when it's on TNT? There's some rules there that I, I just don't understand what they're doing. Uh, but I'm going to be monitoring both of those games. The rest of the games, um, they're games. Nuggets ought to take the Hornets out, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't really care if they do or they don't. Clippers don't, should uh, handle the Raptors. It has no bearing on anything uh, from the Jazz perspective right now anyway. So uh, I'll be watching those games. and Yeah, these are, these are big. Uh, the Phoenix-Golden State game is huge. Suns five-point favorites over the Warriors tonight. Lakers four and a half over the Knicks. Both those games tipping off at 8 o'clock. We did talk briefly. It's the East, so we're not as dialed into it. But the Celtics, their weird year, bad year, and just feels like they've underperformed. They're bouncing around the 500 mark. And now Jalen Brown, torn ligament in his left wrist. He needs surgery. He's done for the year. Almost 25 points a game, almost 49% shooting. That's a huge loss for the Celtics. And their, uh, their disappointing year just gets more disappointing. Well, yeah, I mean, Jerry Steesing is not walking through that door. There it is. Spurs beat the Bucks 146-125. The Bucks had their guys. The Spurs had seven guys in double figures. Had a couple guys come off the bench with massive nights. Patty Mills and Rudy Gay really shot the ball well. And so the Spurs, can they do the Jazz a favor down the stretch and beat the Suns? They play them uh, twice to end the season. You trust the Spurs? I do if there's incentive. If there's not incentive, then that takes it away, obviously. So, yes, I think that the Spurs, I think both those ball games are in San Antonio. They are. And right. so I would look for a split would be the most logical way to go, as long as they have some incentive. The and problem, Popovich yeah. hasn't taken off to get a haircut. 
The problem with the incentive, nice. The problem with the incentive is the Spurs are two and a half up on the Pelicans, and they are two behind the Grizzlies. So you get to the end of the year, and they may not feel like there's really all that much at stake. I know. So I'll just have to see how that shakes out in the coming days. And then the Suns have to figure out, you know, how comfortable are they at number two? Because I was listening to the radio yesterday at the gym, and you know they're talking because yesterday it looked like the Jazz were a shoe in to get the number one seed. And so with that in mind, they were looking at the uh, the Suns being slotted at number two. So there was a lot of conversation. Should they start resting? And obviously the top guy is Chris Paul. So, you know, what are the Suns going to do? My guess is if they're in play for the one seed, Paul isn't resting. Maybe this is the year that it doesn't matter. And maybe he goes through the regular season and the postseason healthy. He's been that way before. So far, um, I don't know if he'll be able to continue it. So it's great to see with three games that it isn't just playing out the string. Agree with that. For the Suns, it's uh, four games in six days and three and four to end the season. Like the Jazz, they play three of the four last four on the road. Like the Jazz, Portland's their only home game. They are playing Golden State and Portland on the second night of back-to-backs after the Jazz played them on the first night of back-to-backs. So did the Jazz soften up the Warriors, or is Steph Curry about to go 8 for 11 from 3? Because he didn't last night. Well, the Warriors are being at home, so at least that's good as far as the back-to-back. You didn't have to get on a plane and arrive in some city at 2 or 3 in the morning. Uh, You could have uh, just gone to bed, for an NBA player anyway, at a normal hour. Uh, And they got, got a lot of young guys. Steph isn't young, and Draymond isn't really young, but the other guys are. So the point I'm making is they should be able to bring some level of energy. And why wouldn't you want to knock off the number one and two seeds in consecutive games one week before the postseason starts? Of course you would. Other stuff we've talked about uh, today's show as as we've uh, wound through all of this – do you care at all about Tebow coming back? I mean, my gosh, it's getting a lot of run because celebrity sells, <laughs> or is it just too big a drama for you? Guy's been out of the league nine years, and now he's going to play a position he hasn't played? What are we doing here? I guess I'm tipping my hand how I feel about this. What are we doing here? Well, he's got the size. And, yes. you know, he's a big kid. And big if he made this now. move six or seven years ago, it would have made more sense. I know, but he didn't. He played didn't baseball. Have, how do you know. know somebody Gabe would have given him an opportunity? And well, Urban's Urban. Urban's back. So Urban is a national figure, and then he is also a local figure. So we have that great combination. Thankful for Urban. Urban has put money in our pockets. So, uh, in, a, in in a sense, I'm I'm grateful for Urban because he is a he's a dynamic figure. You can even say lightning rod uh, to what he's done so far and he just is a newsmaker Uh, you know he's right as far as a coach he's right there with any coach in the history of football pro or college who's a newsmaker I i don't know that there's anybody bigger there's guys in his league and on his line but i don't know that there's anybody bigger and i don't know that there's really been anybody to this level do this and so it's going to be fascinating and to his credit he doesn't go to a high profile team he probably goes to the lowest profile he really did he's not phil jackson here there's a strong (laughs) argument that he did go to team 32 and phil left the bulls 
and he went to the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. There's a strong argument they were team one. I mean, it was Shaq and Kobe, and when is Magic's legacy getting revived? Well, they were team one in talent. They just needed somebody to refine it and hone it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and obviously in publicity and attraction and sexiness and all that stuff. But who's uh, more jacked up than the Jaguars? Yeah. I mean, yeah, for a exactly. long time, Arizona was, but not anymore. Arizona's okay. at least mediocre. Admit yeah, it. yeah. yeah. Houston's gotten jacked up. Uh, certainly this offseason has been just pretty much as messy as an offseason can be. But before that, they got a string of playoff appearances. I mean, right. the Jaguars are working on, I mean, they've had some good times there, but what do they work on at least five years, maybe 10 of just irrelevance? Right. Detroit, so, I guess the Detroit Lions. I mean, when, you, when you've only won one playoff game since 1957, that, that's saying something. And now they're, they're more than 25 years past that one playoff win. Right, but they're in a much, much bigger market. They are in a bigger market, and they have had 500 teams, and Stafford has yeah. been a good quarterback. Not a great one, but he's been a good one. Yeah, and when I think of the Lions, I think of megastars yeah. retiring before they should have. <laughs> yeah, Megatron and Barry Sanders, right? Yeah, to the level of their talent anyway. But uh, Urban's a newsmaker, Tebow... And I saw yesterday, you know, anytime any if a white guy gets picked up, uh, the advocates and the Crusaders go right to Colin Kaepernick, and so they revive that. Kaepernick can be fifty-two, and some backup quarterback's going to be signed, and someone's going to bring what that up. What about Cap? Yeah, <laughs> hey, George Blanda did it at forty-seven. <laughs> Brady so did that, it at forty-four. That's a story. Plus, Tebow's a story. You combine Tebow and Urban, and and Tebow making that pledge. When they lost, the, I don't even remember who they lost to, yeah. and Urban doing his thing and all that. So, of course, it's a national story. I wish Tebow well. Uh, Tebow, to me, seems like a Jimmer. He's the football version of Jimmer. And I know yes. he won a playoff game with the Nug- or Nuggets, the uh, Broncos. Uh, I don't know how he did it, but I know he did <laughs> it. It was a miracle. <laughs> but he did it. But a great, great college, a great college guy. And someone who seems like a really good dude and didn't have the success at the pro level. And every time Jimmer took a shot in the NBA, when he took those 37 shots in four minutes with the Suns a couple years ago, oh, I rooted man. for every one of them to go in. Now, none of them did, but I rooted for every one of them. The same type of Tebow line. Salt Lake Bees won their first game. They were up 8-2. They gave up six in the ninth. Fell behind, one in the tenth, but they scored twice in the bottom of the tenth. One on a home run. Picked up their first W. You want to go to the Bees? What uh, what game is this for, Yach? Tonight. Tonight. You want to go see the Bees tonight? The weather's supposed to be warmer tonight than it was last night. Correct. We're picking up a little steam here getting into the week here. Yep, we've got to a four-pack of tickets. Right now, 855-340-ZONE. Who wants to go to a Bees game tonight? 855-340-ZONE. Caller number 12 gets a four-pack of tickets to see the Bees. It's the Bees and the Aces. First pitch is at 630 you can get your tickets at slbs.com or listen to the action right here on the Zone Sports Network. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. All right, it's time for your feedback. You've been tweeting at us all morning long. PK. What? The Jazz, the Warriors. Who's worried about them meeting up again in the playoffs? What's the level of concern? Jingles at Bojo244 says, I would hate to see Steph in the first round, but with Mitchell and Conley back, I'm... 95% confident that we beat them in five or six games. Cool. Tricky Tanner says, Steph beat Utah. E- St- Steph will beat Utah, even with Conley and Mitchell. 
It's a Warriors fan right there. Ooh, big upset, huh? Believing, yeah. The eight taking down the one for the, uh, I guess, the fifth time. Once in the East, three times in the West. That would be a disaster. Yeah, it would. That would be horrific. Nobody wants that. Jingles at Bojo244 says, you know, Steph did beat Utah with Conley and Mitchell. It was right after the All-Star break. We had no rhythm. Bojan was one for seven from three. Golden State shot 52% from three. The odds of that happening four games out of seven is slim. And the Jazz win in every other scenario. All right. I can live with that. Yeah. Jingle says, uh, I'm very confident if we get matched up with anyone out of the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Spurs, or Portland, we win a five or six fairly easily. Well, there's only five teams I think the Jazz can face right now. <laughs> and he just covered four of them. I don't know. Did any team seem like they were missing their PK? Anybody jump out at you? No. <laughs> yes. Who? Lakers. Oh! Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, Smashville says, LOL, curse shut you guys down last night. The D for three and a half quarters was choking the Jazz. All your shooters looked average. Turnovers everywhere due to this Warriors stellar D. If you think the Jazz will beat the Warriors in five, I'll give you big odds for any amount. Kerr shut them down? Is that what he said? Kerr's game plan, I assume, is what he means, since Steve Kerr didn't put on a jersey and go out there and play. Was Kerr there? I thought he was at a political rally. hey <laughs> These, Chris says this, Chris is bringing it strong. These drama queens that are concerned clearly haven't watched all season. The Jazz were a missed call from winning the game on the road without the two best players and not playing all that well and without the two players who can run around with Steph a bit. I'm not worried at all. All is all caps. Okay, good for you. I appreciate the confidence. (laughs) Not on board with it, but you appreciate it. Not to that level, no. Right, not to that level. You Shasta trailer. Three games left. Blazers, Thunder, Kings. Thunder and Kings should be wins. Blazers probably two. When two or three and the Suns left to be perfect to tie, I still like the Jazz odds. Blazers game will determine if the Kings game is a game or a scrimmage. I could see that scenario. That's not outlandish. If the Suns lose, and it would seem like the Warriors tonight would be more likely than the Blazers Thursday, but if they lose either one of them, and the Jazz win Wednesday and Friday, then it's over before the Suns play their back-to-back Saturday-Sunday and before the Jazz play their finale on Sunday with Sacramento. Yes, correct. Kale's level of worry is zero. Mac and Spider will be back. Mac? Is that what we call him? Apparently. Mike Conley, MC. Give it a random vowel. Mac. Well, I I would prefer the U, so then it would be muck. (laughs) Stuck in the muck. Uh, Jazz fans should be concerned, Ryan says. The Jazz bench shooters have not been good on the road, minus Clarkson's fourth quarter. Curry is good enough to steal a game on the road. Well, that is the recipe right there, isn't it? Uh, the Jazz have been excellent at home, but if they stumble once, they've been a little better than 500 on the road. I think they're 19 of 15 on the road right now. And they ought to get a 20th road win because they really ought to beat Oklahoma City. I mean, maybe something could go wrong in Sacramento, but Oklahoma City? And they did, 
I guess 154 in Sacramento. Some people think it's a lock because of that, and some people think the law of numbers could bite him. And Sacramento's been playing hard and winning some games. But Oklahoma City? Come on. Well, it's funny that the Jazz role players, they suck out on the road. Curry's really good. But what about the Warriors, Warriors role, role players, players on the road? Yeah, the road? yeah I, think, I think like the Jazz role players on the road, uh, you know, some nights they have it, but a lot of nights they don't. That's, yeah. that's the nature of the road and role players. And for all the rules changes and the changes in style in the game over the last 10 or 20 years, that's been a constant. You can go back to isolation ball, back into the low post, Charles Barkley dribbling 40 times backing up. People are still curious about how the role player is going to play. Even coaches are like, I don't know. <laughs> the first-round series, if it should be these two teams, to me, the rosters favor the talent for the Jazz. Pretty simple explanation there. Straight ahead. Yeah, I think it is. All right, that's going to do it for us today. More on the Jazz and the Warriors coming up with Hands and Scotty G next on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.